Welcome to Voice of Reason with Nathan. This is the Would You Believe It series with Andrew Sharp. In today's episode, we're looking at cultural transformation. Welcome, Andrew. Yeah, it's good to be with you again to share this half hour or so with you talking about culture. What is it? Why is it so important? Absolutely. And um, culture, the way that we're looking at that is really about creating an environment for your church, for your ministry, for your workplaces even, for your family, um, whereby we can share a set, a set of values, a common vision. Uh, and be able to, to align ourselves to that vision in our behaviors, communication, in, in the way that we do what we do, but knowing the why behind it and creating a healthy, uh, nurturing environment to be able to do that effectively. And this has really uh, been driven home to me personally, and I think we've all had these experiences of working in a, a healthy cultural environment, um, and you might not have been aware of this taking place, but um, you kind of really enjoy going to work and it's not just about the job that you're doing it's about the workplace that you go to and um, for me personally I, I experienced this in an organization I worked in I was going between office locations and they were only about an hour apart and in one office location there was a culture there of um, friendship and um, collaboration and, and you were able to um, really trust the management team and it was really, really nice going in there. Same job, same core values that were on the, on the, on, written on the walls <laughs> around the, the workplace office. And then I, I would go an hour down the road and work at the other office every now and then. And again, same values, same things written on the walls, different management team and a different style that created a, a much more different culture. Um, and it, it just, it, it really just didn't work. This is so important, especially for those who are, are leaders, whether it's in what we call the church world or the secular world, the responsibility that's upon us. It's very interesting, that example that you give, working for the same firm with the same values written up on the wall and yet it being worked out differently. And I guess that would be because um, it's not really considered important. They haven't really considered how important it is to have these values established before they launch out. But it makes all the difference in the world because I guess we've all been to meetings, we've all worked in places where, get me out of here, beam me up, Scotty, this is horrible. You know, and the thought of going to work, is it, 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 well, no, you just want to stay in bed. Whereas you can work in other places where, it's buzzing, it's thriving, it's exciting, it's productive. Why is there that difference? It's because of the culture and because somebody has decided that culture is important. It's culture by design, it's intentional. And if, you don't, uh, if you're not intentional about culture, it will just fall to the lowest common denominator. There will be a, a culture, but it will be an unhealthy culture that we've all experienced. But if you say, no, we're gonna excel in this area, we're gonna establish a healthy culture in which people can grow, thrive and flourish, uh, it will happen. And, and everybody will be excited about being on that team and it will be fruitful, it will be productive. But it does mean that the, the leader has to um, monitor that culture and take responsibility for it.
Yeah, I love that. And I, I use the example of culture like a garden. And, you know, if, if you imagine two gardens, one garden has um, the same fruits, or the same plants, same trees, everything in it as the, the nut garden next to it. But let's say that with that one garden, let's say garden A, um, you, you spend a lot of time nurturing that garden. You make sure it's got a good n number of nutrients in the soil, the enough sunlight, and you just spend that time nurturing that garden. It's going to produce a lot better fruit and it's going to produce uh, more fruit in the long run, even though in the, in the initial stages, it takes a lot more effort and work. Um, and it feels a bit like, oh, why am I doing this? You know, this is, I'm not getting anything out of this. But over time, the, the, the fruit that comes out of that initial effort will be um, exponentially a lot more than garden B, which you don't do that with, you know. So culture is really about, I guess, the, if you think of the, the soil underneath, what's, you know, what's growing there. Um, so the results are on the top, the surface level. And uh, Andrew, what, what do you think, or how does this relate, do you think, um, to your personal experience, um, maybe in, in positive ways that you've experienced healthy cultures? Well, yes, I mean, I think um, it, it's important because, I mean, I, I've observed through good and bad experiences that it is so easy for a church leader, as I was, to be jumping into the next project, that we're so consumed by wanting to achieve good things for God, who wanting the kingdom to grow, that we can jump into to plans and projects without establishing the firm foundation of a good, healthy culture in which everybody's going to enjoy the journey. And you're so right, it does take time. Um, where there is just one person in leadership over a small company for instance or a small church the leader unknowingly embodies the culture uh, and they set the tone by their behavior by the way they relate to people they may not be aware and usually they're not aware that that's happening so that if you have a good integrous person that will flow out if you have a happy joyous positive person that will flow out if the person themselves is, is negative in their outlook and grumpy and, and, and sort of so driven that they become a taskmaster, that is setting the culture. So in a sense, the, the, the prime leader needs to take responsibility for their own behavior, their own set of values, their own culture, and to see that people matter. Now, when the organization is bigger, then that, that, that person at the top is responsible for seeing that culture, that healthy culture, develop in their, in their team, in, in, the, in the next strata of, 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 of leaders, that they're all sharing the same ethos. And let's underline again, it has to happen intentionally. You've got to do it on purpose. It's got to be culture by design Otherwise, it will just fall to the default, uh, which won't be healthy. Absolutely. And I think um, a great example of this is uh, the story of Moses, um, mm -hmm. where you've got the, the Israelites have left Egypt and they have this vision of freedom and experiencing, you know, just um, this escape from slavery and imagine, you know, what they would have gone through. So 
400 or, or however many years it was, I'm not sure exactly, but um, you know, they've left this, this, this land of slavery and now they're in this, this uh, new season and this freedom that they're experiencing. And Moses um, is leading the way the whole way through. And they're in this place where he goes up the mountain and he leaves them for a time to do this. And as he's up the mountain, what do they all do? They, they revert, as you mentioned, Andrew, to the uh, common lowest denominator. Um, and essentially, they have these cultural values or they have this culture and the, the values attached to that, that they end up worshipping a, a calf, a golden image, like back in Egypt, you know. Um, so they reverted back to that, that cultural design that they'd experienced for so long because they hadn't yet adopted the new culture that, that God was giving them. And so when Moses came down the mountain, in a sense, the um, Ten Commandments were kind of like a setting a, a new set of values, a, a new kind of culture that um, could, could then drive where this freedom would go and what that would look like. And, and freedom, of course, as we know, is not just willy-nilly and do whatever you want. It's, it's, it does have boundaries and a context around it. Um, and then as we, we see the, the kind of the, the Israelites catch on to this culture and develop that. Um, then we see uh, Jethro, Moses's uh, father-in-law, isn't it? Um, that comes and says, hey, what are you doing, Moses? Everyone's coming to you for everything. This is an unhealthy culture. I'm, I'm you know, paraphrasing there, but he then sets teams to be able to, um, to heads of each tribe to be able to, uh, to, to you know, divide the shared responsibility based on the culture that, that he carried and, and he had developed already. Uh, do you have any thoughts on that, Andrew? Yeah, well, that, that's an excellent example. And, you know, when we put this in, into practice, it means that we, we, again, need to establish that, that culture. It's particularly a, a important when it's the first time that this is happening. As for Moses, he was setting up that, that, those teams, that the, the people that would take his delegated authority. Um, and when a, a church leader sets up something new like that, or perhaps even more challenging, when a church leader moves into a new position and inherits an already established culture. Um, I've been a member of a number of church committees, leadership teams, and they have varied. You know, some of them uh, treat it as though they're coming into the, the management team of a multinational company and it's, you know, all very austere. Nobody talks to each other unless it's to put the other person down. And this is within a church context, one has to say. <laughs> and, and you think, you know, they're treating this whole thing like a, a business, but actually even a good business, even a good bank needs to establish a culture uh, before it Absolutely. can thrive and, and make a profit. Um, but then on the other hand, you, you've got committees and, and working groups, leadership teams, where anything goes. And it, it's just willy-nilly. And, you know, anything goes, all is forgiven, but there's no accountability and nothing happens. And that is a challenge for the leader to, to pull that team together and to gain some shared values and some that this shared culture and that will depend on on each individual each leader what they want to see in that team um but they want to base it on on jesus i mean some church leaders 
some leaders in communities are, are revolutionaries, they're radicals and, and turn everything upside down and people get upset and people get and leave, but <laughs> they can sweep the floor and, and start afresh. Others, and probably like me, and more of a progressive, more of an evolutionary, uh, take an evolutionary approach, much slower. And what I've got to say, you still lose people on, on route, but, but there's that attempt to bring everybody together. Now, there's not a right or wrong way, and it will depend on the temperament and experience and skill and maturity of, of the individual. Probably most of all, it will depend on, on, on their calling and what God is asking them to do. And as we've said, Nathan, throughout this series on Would You Believe It? It all comes down to our relationship with the Lord. I remember that occasion at the wedding of Cana of Galilee where the wine runs out and Mary says to the stewards, do whatever he tells you. Go and yeah. ask Jesus and do what he says. And that's when the miracles happen. That's when the miracles happen in listening to Jesus, following his lead. But it's not just what he wants you to do, but it's how he wants you to do it and when he wants you to do it. Because I, you know, I can get a vision one day and think it's gonna happen the next, <laughs> and, and it doesn't happen. <laughs> you know, I can share it with my key leadership team and they're not with me. I can share it with my wife sometimes and she'll say, not another idea. And, uh, and so you've got to process what, what really is of, of God and then begin to share it. Now, so then when we're talking about establishing a culture first, you're sort of waiting on God, you're reading the Bible and you're seeing what values God has for good relationship. And you're thinking about things like love and integrity and honesty things like that that you want to be at the core of um of your church at the core of the culture the core that will enable things to grow and to flourish the core from which you can then start to build vision and you can start to build in projects but we're repeating the fact that 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 core needs to come in there and you take words like love honesty and integrity and probably you need to sort of define what those words mean because i mean a word like love can actually mean different things to different people different things to different christians what do we mean when we say this leadership team this church and needs to embody love what does that love look like uh, how can we hold each other accountable to love and actually love does keep each other accountable which is a bit of a surprise to some people because they think grace means anything goes well no it doesn't it means we still love you <laughs> you're still accepted you're still part of the family but let's let's do some adjustments to make things better absolutely um, yeah even just on that um i, I used to run the uh, eap program the employee assistance program um, at a place I worked previously and um, I'd go into workplaces and, and they'd be like, um, you know, I'd be having to, to run like mediation groups and things like that and help facilitate, um, you know, some form of uh, restoration between people that have, that have come at odds. Um, and, and just witnessing kind of the impact that that would have on a culture 
in the workplace, the negativity that would start to seep through and, and those behaviours that would just go contrary to what we're talking about there, about love and, and integrity and those experiences that, you know, the leadership were like, hey, there's an issue here. We need to address this. We need to deal with it. Um, and I guess my point in mentioning that was about, um, you were saying about love and, and a lot of the time when we, even as Christians, we think that, you know, love is just about, um, you know, just being really, really, really nice to people all the time. And I mean, yeah, that's, that's, that's a nice trait and no one would disagree with that. But there are times where you do need to put in boundaries and say, that's not okay. Assert, you know, be assertive and, and know, know what you stand for or know what's important to you. So from a leadership perspective, they were like, there's an issue here. And then from a mediation perspective, it was about having that conversation and communicating what's going on and then what are the shared values that we have so we can then move through this as a, as a two people, but then also as a, as a team and as an um, organisation. Um, so I guess just before we go into sort of how you help people engage in that culture, Andrew, I wanted to ask you a, a quick cheeky question here. Can culture, tra- can culture transformation happen by just preaching from the pulpit? No, I don't think so. I think there needs to be an engagement with people as well. And whatever you preach from the pulpit, uh, you, you need to engage with people as, as well. And it needs multiple communication uh, methods. You, you're using preaching, yes, but you're also putting things in the notice sheet. You're also having people share testimonies. You're also meeting with people individually and, and helping to address any questions, concerns that they may have, helping them to address any fears that might, they might have as well. Now, in, in uh, a church structure, the, the, person, the preacher might not be doing all of those things himself or herself, but would make sure that somebody is meeting with individuals and hearing their concerns, hearing their hopes, hearing their fears. So yeah, there needs to be a message coming forward, which is repeated and repeated and repeated in whatever means possible, but then there needs to be a personal engagement so that people can have a, a sense of being heard, a sense of ownership, but also so that their individual concerns are, are addressed. And the leadership learns from that about what concerns are out there. And then take it back into the preaching <laughs> and teaching. Yeah, absolutely. And last week we spoke um, about before and oh, whenever the last message was, it wasn't actually last week, but the pre- one of our previous messages was about before and after grace. And, um, you know, that message of grace is so important toward like a key, um, a key message and a key value that can really transform the culture of, of, a, of a church or a ministry or even a workplace. You know, it just, it, it creates that, as you were saying, that kind of opportunity for people to come and have those conversations, come and have um, that, that freedom to express what's really going on not hide behind you know a legalistic performance mentality that creates and thrives on fear um, but doesn't produce effective fruit or heart change as we were talking about last last time um, so I guess how how would you sort of go about um, creating that change in in a church context and um, 
what would be some practical things that people can do um, to help make that happen? Yes, I, I, I know well of, of a church where they have made a, a transition from being what we might call a, a legalistic church, where they, they sort of felt that God's blessing is dependent on their behavior, that if they pray enough, if they are holy enough, God would bless them. Now, all of those things sound right and good, but when, when it's hyped, it can create an image of God that makes him sound like a, a tyrant, that makes it sound as though he's withholding, that, he, you know, he's the worst kind of headmaster. And I, I think we probably all experience churches like this. And the minister realized that this, this isn't God at all, that God is really uh, found most beautifully in the image of, in the prodigal son of the father there, standing with open arms, ready to embrace that wayward son and not to rebuke him, uh, but to, to embrace him and to restore his position within, within the family. So the minister had got hold of this, that God is good. He's a loving father and Jesus is our brother. And so he preached and he preached and he preached and he preached and he preached repetitively over this theme. And people began to get it. And then people would share uh, uh, testimonies of how this had changed their relationship with God, how they'd found it a new freedom and a, a liberty to approach God and found that, uh, that he was good, but that he wasn't standing over them with a, uh, with a stick, but blessing them. And, doesn't mean that they were gonna go and live the life of Riley, as we have a saying over here, you know, go and live the high life and do whatever they wanted to, but there they found themselves loving the Lord, obeying the Lord and more accidentally than they ever did when they tried to do so on, on purpose. So there was the teaching of it. There was people giving testimonies about it. There were articles in the, in the newsletter about it. And, um, and then just the, the repeating of, of the message uh, over yeah. and over and over again. And, and I think and that, that, yeah, sorry, you go. And some people didn't like it. And as we were saying earlier on, there would be personal engagement with people to address their concerns or their questions. Some, some would leave, sadly. Uh, but others would find a, a great freedom and a new quality to their relationship with the Lord. I have yeah, to say that at this particular church, there was then an issue when newcomers would join from other churches and they had their own paradigm and their understanding of God and they would join the church and be all eager and then after a while realize that Oh, this church keeps emphasizing the goodness of God. What about the holiness of God? And um, then they would have a, a bust up <laughs> with the leadership and, and end up leaving. So what they did was they created a booklet that had all of their values, all of their understanding of God and his love and his grace set out. So anybody coming new to the church, whether they were a new convert or 
somebody who transferred from another church would be given this booklet and said, this is what we're all about as a family. If you like what you see there, you're very welcome. If you don't like what you see there, you probably won't feel very comfortable here. I mean, and they did it in a loving, gracious way, but that helped uh, a lot to maintain uh, the good culture that there was in that church. Absolutely, and I think, I think you're touching on a lot of really important points there about being intentional, and, and this is kind of how we do it, through the teaching, through the message, the core values of what we stand for as a church, um, and then also um, being able to communicate that message in lots of different ways um, and through testimonies, through shared experience, through the groups, um, through leadership team meetings and uh, all, all these different ways through, through uh, you know, um, booklets and things of that nature as well. And that, I mean, that, that's the same in any, any um, whether it's in a, a, you know, an organisation, it's the same concept of sharing a message. You know, why do we do what we do? Um, for example, why I do what I do with these podcasts and, and these YouTube is to know the Lord and make him known. And part of my, you know, stream or part of my, some of my methods is through music, through um, using my skills as a psychologist and so on. But essentially that's the why behind it. And, you know, that's what drives me to, to do this. But then the values attached to that and, and the methods and different things, um, that, that can, you know, they can fluctuate, they can change to some degree. Um, you know, and, and there's flexibility in that. Um, but yeah, so absolutely, like the why behind what we're doing is so important. Um, and that's what really drives or, or creates that healthy culture around, you know, the values and, and the methods as to what we do. Um, I guess what, what might be some of the values that you'd want in a, in a culture like that, Andrew? What, what would you say in a healthy church context or a ministry or, yeah? Yeah, I think um, there's that. Love, trust, coming back to integrity, and honesty, they're, they're all good values to have in hand and embraced as well. <laughs> Ironically, people get hold of the idea that God is good and then become quite insistent about it. No, you can't believe that because you, you're, you're wrong. And, and so they only got half the message because God not only is gracious, but he calls us to be gracious <laughs> as well. So, uh, but there, there are some of the things that you would want to bring in. And in a sense that I think it, as a church leader, you'd want to call your core leadership team together and ask them that question. What, what is God calling us to be? Um, what culture does he want us to embody? And, and then they're getting a sense of shared ownership as well. And as they discuss it and as they debate it, they're refining it, they're defining it. And so they'll have a greater sense of ownership on it as well. But for me, those, those four, the, the love defined, uh, trust defined, integrity and honesty defined, they would be up there amongst the things that I'd want to see uh, in a culture. How about you? Are there, are there other things that you would want to see operating? Yeah, I mean, I think they're awesome values and, and, and fantastic foundation. I was just thinking of this idea around um, church in a box. Uh, and and often we think, like you said, it's about sharing these values and having a discussion, having a dialogue with your team 
knowing, you know, who your congregation is, you know, well, and, and often, um, you know, like we'll, we'll go to these leadership summits and we'll go to these different, we'll hear these talks uh, or speakers from different church denominations and sharing how they did what they did and achieved these um, numbers and whatever it might be. And, and we can be tempted to be like, oh, okay, that's the formula, that's the method. And I want to steer away from, from that, of course. That's not what we're saying at all. It's, it's this idea of like really getting to know why you do what you do, engage with the Lord and receive from him what, what the vision is and what's, what's the purpose, what's the why behind your church community and, and the people there is really what it's all about. It's that relationship um, and how you as a, as a leader, as pastor, as whatever you, context you might be in, how you can be a blessing, how you can love those people that, that are in your community um, and then on the wider community scale as well. So I think it's that kind of church in a box mentality. And as I mentioned at the beginning of this talk, you know, working for an organization previously where same values, same, I guess, you know, box-like structure, trying to do that in a different context, an hour down the road, different team setting, different personalities, it just didn't didn't work. So it's that kind of idea of know your vision, know your why, and and the people that you that that the Lord's you know put you in you know leadership over or, or whatever that context is. Um, know that and and be able to have those um, that those discussions, that dialogue, that openness. And a, a few key things, I suppose, more in the method is um, I guess yeah, exactly doing that. So defining what is our vision? You know, what do we want to achieve? Like, I think a lot of the time we can be quite um, vague in, in, you know, in any context, you know, and not really knowing what we're going for. And I think there's a scripture on that, isn't there? Uh, my people perish for, what was that scripture? Do you know? For lack of knowledge, yes. For lack of knowledge. And what's that one on vision? I can't remember it exactly. Where, where there's no vision, the people perish. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. And so it's that idea of like, okay, where are we heading? Like, you know, what, what's the purpose of this? Um, and then beyond that as well, it's, it's kind of these, these, this um, idea of building trust with that vision um, and, and being able to have that discussion with your team and then with the wider church community and, and you know, in a business setting, it'd be with your employees um, and having these roundtable meetings where you share ideas, you share feedback, what works, what doesn't. And then you keep reviewing that over time and you align certain behaviors in that context. So let's say that, you know, at, in the church context, um, you know, there's say certain songs that, that don't fit within the grace culture that we're developing um, and not to beat up on any, you know, songs or, or anything like that, but it just doesn't fit the message, you know, so you can eliminate those, those, <laughs> those tunes. Um, and refocus on, you know, on songs that do match that, that truth and that message that we're getting across. Um, and another way it might be, um, uh, I'm just thinking about, you know, measurable um, targets or things that you can use to help measure the culture in, in the church community or in a, in a business, business context. Um, and it's not about being, you know, so objective, like everyone's really happy, tick a box. Um, but you can do it subjectively as well as objectively. Um, and it's not about numbers. It's about the depth or the, the quality of, of, you know, the community that's, that's developing. Um, I mean, numbers will come. When you have a, a, a healthy culture, 
the, the results will flow from that, but um, or they can, and it's not necessarily numbers, but um, you know the impact that we're having on people's lives is, is I guess, the point in that. Um, but yeah, so measurable ways of, of seeing how that culture is developing over the time and realize that there needs to be adjustments throughout that journey as well, that it's not like a, um, we've created a healthy culture now, we can tick a box and it's all done. You know, it's, it's, it's got to be checked. That's got to be checked regularly. And, and everything one does within the context of a church or a ministry or at the workplace needs to come under constant review uh, for, for development and improvement. And uh, that's not a bad habit to get into, constant review for improvement. Um, what worked, what didn't work so well, so that we can take it all forward. Yeah. That was my, that was my last point there was actually that there is no perfect culture. You know what I mean? It's oh, actually, yes. even, yes. even yes. in scripture. Yes, yes, yes. We're all in progress. And I suppose one of the dangers of thinking that all oh, we must have a culture in place before we do anything else is that you, you might be wanting to be a perfectionist in the culture and keep working on that but then not do anything else i mean that there, there comes a point when you've got sufficient shared in understanding that you can launch out and then so you're you, you're looking at your new project your new vision at the same time as you're constantly reviewing your culture and of course you don't want to be navel gazing at all of these things you don't want to be anxious about it and saying oh dear me oh dear me but it's with a, a positive eye to, to to development and improvement mm. absolutely i was i was just thinking about ephesians um where paul uh, in ephesians chapter 4 verse 2 paul shares and he says always be humble and gentle be patient with each other making allowance for each other's faults because of your love. Um, so you're still going to have faults even in a, a church context where Paul is the leader, you know, <laughs> the Apostle Paul. Um, so I think it's important not to have, as you were sharing there, not to get caught up in the anxieties. Oh, it's not perfect. It's not, a, you know, we're still having issues. I mean, that's, that's essentially that. That's whenever you've got, you know, people together in any context, you're going to have issues, aren't you? Um, and you are. That, that's part of it. That's life. I can remember uh, one minister friend I know said, oh, church would be perfect if it wasn't for the people. <laughs> That's right. Absolutely. I think he was serious about it as well. But you're, you're so right. And, you know, a lot of what we've talked about are sort of management techniques, but they are rooted in, in the Bible. And as I hope we've made clear, that it should be rooted in our own personal relationship with our with the Lord and listening to how he's leading and guiding us too. I mean, I came across something in the parable of the prodigal son that I, I think it is a very good management, uh, not, not technique, procedure to, to, to follow through on. I mean, the prodigal son bit we know well, but then there's the older son who really is the embodiment of a legalistic mindset that he thought that his relationship with his father was based on his service and on his obedience. That made him a, a bit of a grumpy old person. He was angry, he was resistant, he disowned the prodigal son. He, he's your, you know, he's your son, he's not my brother. You notice that he says that. He, he accuses him, 
he he actually slanders him because he says he spent the money on harlots. Where did he get that from? It, it doesn't say that earlier on in the story. But yeah, right. so when the, the prodigal returns and is given this great celebratory party uh, of reconciliation, he, he is absolutely livid. Now, this is the point that I think is important for us as leaders to observe. How did the father respond? The father went out to him. So he didn't leave him to his own devices. And I think sometimes as leaders, we think, oh, that, you know, that'll sort itself out. There, there is times for us to be intentional, to go and nip the problem in, in, in the bud before it develops, before it gets out of hand. So the, the father was uh, proactive in this situation to bring reconciliation, to bring a fresh understanding to part. Things don't just happen. We've got to be intentional about it in church leadership. And then second, um, the scripture says, this is Luke 15, 28, if you want to check it out. It says that the father pleaded with him. So he used all of his communication skills to lay out the case for accepting the prodigal back. And this goes back to what we were saying earlier on about using every communication uh, method, device available to us to communicate the message, whether it's preaching, the notice sheet, discussion groups, away days, question and answer sessions, speaker, testimonials, outside consultants, every means possible to, to plead the cause, to um, make it clear write the vision and make it clear. And then third, you notice the, the message that the father brought. He wasn't rebuking him when he uses that word plead. It's not a telling off, um, but it's, it's rather a, a heartfelt uh, plea to come back in because he, he reminds him and he assures him, he reveals to him the true nature of the relationship he says you're my son and god's saying that to us god's saying that to every member of the church you're in a father-son relationship you are always with me no matter what your background no matter what your temperament no matter what your your misdemeanors the prodigal and the older righteous self-righteous son you're always with me and everything I have is yours. Now that is the embodiment of grace. The father embodies grace. He is a good, good father. Sounds like that should be a song, but it is. He's a good, good father. And that was the message the father was underlining through his words, through his actions, even to this angry, resentful older brother to bring him back down. So he was intentional, he pleaded with him, and then he embodied the message, you're my son, you're always with me, all that I have is yours. I, I think that's a jolly good model for us to, to follow. It's biblical, it's from the lips of Jesus himself. Awesome, awesome. So much more can be said about this, I'm sure. Um, 
that's a that's a great way to finish. I think this this amazing um, you know subject and such so much depth to it. And again, so much more we can say about it. But um, I think we'll leave it here. Uh, be blessed, guys. Thanks for tuning in, and uh, let us know your thoughts. And if we, are, we can help you guys out in any way, um, shoot, shoot us an email. Check out the Facebook Voice of Reason Ministries, and uh, take care and uh, continue to know the Lord and make Him known. Be blessed.